Well, hello, friends. If I haven't met you, my name is Brian. It's so good to be with you this morning. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ the Church, and whether you are joining us online or in person, we're just so glad that you're here. So my wife and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage. Thank you. So you can feel free to clap for her for putting up with me for a decade now. It's a tall order, but she was up for it. Uh, but anyway, we wanted to celebrate our anniversary. The way that we decided to do so was to have a staycation right here in Bellingham. And we decided that we were going to drop off our kiddos with the grandparents and we were going to approach the weekend like we were tourists. So this was not your grandma's staycation. We weren't staying home. We weren't doing the thing where we watch a bunch of TV and call it a staycation. We were like, we are going to seize the day. We are going to live our lives. We developed a couple rules for our staycation. We were going to eat good food. We were going to order dessert even if we didn't feel like it and we were going to go out even if it was rainy because we were in the business of making some memories so i came up with this long list of hikes we could go on and places that we could drive to i had all this food ideas for what we could eat and i presented them to my wife Kristen, and she said this is all great ideas brian but i do have one thing that i just want to slide over to you i have one thing that i want to do to celebrate our 10 years of marriage i said great hit me and she said what i want to do to celebrate our anniversary is to do a cold plunge into Bellingham Bay. <laughs> and I'll be honest, that's not what I expected to come out of her mouth, but I'm also not one to back down from a challenge. So on January 5th at 12:17 p.m., I checked the timestamp on the pictures. We headed down to Taylor Dock and just for all of you sappy people out there, which just so happens to be the place that 12 years prior, I had asked her to be my girlfriend right there on that dock. But this time we were dressed in swimsuits and robes and being the good husband that I am, I told her that I would go first and test the waters. It didn't really feel like a lady's first kind of a moment. <laughs> so I counted down from three and when I got down to zero, I realized I was still on the dock. So I counted down from three again and this time with all the bravery that I could muster I threw myself off the Taylor dock into the freezing waters of Bellingham Bay and I am not kidding when I say I've never felt simultaneously so alive and so close to death <laughs> it felt like 10,000 icicles stabbing me from every direction and if I'm honest while I was under the water there were a few choice words that rolled through the old noggin that I'm not particularly proud of but that's neither here nor there. That's a sermon for another day. But long story short, it was miserable. And yet I can't help but tell you that there was a part of me that loved it. I loved the thrill of the moment, and I thought it was exhilarating. Now, I don't know if you know this, but cold plunges have just been increasing in popularity. There's somewhat of a cultural phenomenon right now, and it seems like you can't even go to a beach around Bellingham without seeing people in bathing suits diving into the water at all times of the day. And it begs the question... Just, just why? Why are we doing this? And of course, there's a list of health benefits that I could read to you. You could say, well, it reduces inflammation, or it helps with muscle recovery, or it boosts your metabolism, and it releases endorphins, and it increases alertness, and all that's fine and good. I want all those things, but I just started to think maybe there's more to the story. As I've been reflecting back on our cold plunge, I can't help but wonder if maybe one of the reasons cold plunges have become so popular is because people are desperately searching for an experience that brings them back to the present. I, I wonder if in a world that feels so distracted right now, if people are just trying to find any way possible to be 
here because I can tell you from experience there's nothing quite like 40 degree water to bring you back to the present. When I was in the water, I can tell you there was no part of me that was anywhere else. I was fully there. I wasn't stressed about work. I wasn't worried about the kids. I wasn't comparing myself to other people on Instagram. I wasn't thinking about politics. It was just me, my wife, and some cold water that was trying to take me out. Church, I wonder this morning, are you here? Are you here? Like, I know that you're here but are you really here? Because it's so easy for our minds to wander these days, isn't it? And right now we're in the middle of a series called Past, Present, Future, where we're talking about God's plan to redeem our past then give hope to our future. But all of that happens through our ability to access his power in the present. So the question is really, are you here? There's this amazing Mother Teresa quote that says, Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow's not yet here. We have only today. Let us begin. So I want to dive into the scriptures, but before we do, I just want to pray over this very moment. Holy Spirit, God, we acknowledge your presence in this moment. God, we acknowledge your presence here. God, as we sit, as we listen, God, as we look for you, God, we just acknowledge, God, that you are a God of the present. God, that you have a word, God, not for tomorrow, but a word for today. And God, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear. God, I pray that you would give us the present to actually come present to your presence right now. God, we pray that we wouldn't just be looking for facts about you, God, that we would uh, just begin to know more and more of the love story that's unfolding. God, with your arms outreach towards us. We love you. God, help us to come present to that today. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us boldness to follow what it is that we hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. So they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And usually I show you pictures of my kids, but today you're actually going to get to see a picture of what I looked like as a kid in honor of the series past, present, future we're going to start by showing you a picture from my past can we throw that picture up so here is <laughs> baby brian barons in his football hero shirt living his best life and then instead of showing a picture because i'm literally right here let's just cut to the camera right here so that you can see me in the present okay let's bring it in let's show him my pores a little closer 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 so this is what you're looking at whether you like it or not for the next 20 some minutes and then uh, we're going to cut to the picture of this is me in the future Let, let's go to the future shot <laughs> so that's that's what my wife has to look forward to uh, which looks oddly familiar um to me i showed this to a few people and they said that looks exactly like and then we'll show the next one here this is a, a, a Bobby Goff, Mr. Bob Goff, the author and uh, a speaker, one of my favorites of all time. And so let's show them the side by side so that you can just really appreciate it. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm not mad about it because Bob Goff is who I want to be when I grow up. So, so this is confirmation that uh, the Lord has good things in store for me in the future. Uh, but uh, here's, here's what I want to share. I actually want to share a quote from Bob Goff. He once said this in his book, Undistracted. He said, there's two kinds of people in this world. He said, those who walk into a room and say, here I am. And then there's those who walk into a room and say, there you are. There you are. 
There's people who want to be noticed, and then there's people who notice you. There's people who want to be seen, and then there's people who have the ability to see you. Not just on the best of days, but on the worst of days, and still speak life. And I'm so thankful that our Jesus is a God who isn't looking to be noticed. He's a God who notices every detail. And today I want to start by looking at a story in Mark chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 24. If you have a Bible or an app, you can pull that out and you can read along. If not, it'll be up on the screens for you to check out. So starting in verse 24, it says this. It says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she just grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I could just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, Scripture says, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the crowds around you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And this is such a beautiful healing story, isn't it? I went back and I started in, in, in Mark chapter 1 and read all the way to Mark chapter 5 to kind of get the context of this story and see what happened before and see what happened after and really understand how it fits into the greater story. And what I realized is that in the first four chapters of Mark, a lot had already happened. Jesus had already cast out demons. Jesus had already made lame men walk. He had already healed the sick countless times. And Jesus had already calmed the storms with the word, be still. So people already knew that Jesus was powerful. They already knew that he was a healer. And if that's news to you today, if you didn't know that Jesus was powerful and is a healer, here's what you need to know. There's no ailment that he can't heal. There's no relationship he can't restore. There's no mistake he can't redeem, and there's no disease he can't cure. He is more powerful than you think he is, and he's always doing more in your life than you realize. Amen. This is the Jesus that we worship. And yet what I'm saying is that in the context of Mark 5, this was already a known commodity about Jesus. People already knew he was a healer. People already knew that he was powerful. And so what new gets kind of infused into the story of Jesus here? And really what I want you to see is that what's highlighted in this story is actually not just the power, but the presence of Jesus, the awareness of Jesus. You see, when we see featured in the story is the fact that in the middle of a crowd, Jesus can still sense the smallest movements of a woman who, by the way, had no business actually being in proximity to Jesus. And yet when he sees it, and when the woman merely touches the cloak, she's healed of a condition that's plagued her for over 12 Years. Friends, what I want you to take from the story is that our Jesus is not just the God who created the cosmos. He's the God who stops when a single person touches his cloak in the crowd. Our God is not just the God of the big. He's not just the creator. He's a God who notices when you and your small voice cry out for help. 
our God isn't just this God who is just all-powerful. He's also all-knowing, and he sees every intricate detail of your life. Friends, the good news is that our Jesus is present to your pain, that he is present to your story, and he is always aware of what you need. So that's the good news, friends. Jesus is present. But before we get too happy, let me hit you with the bad news. The bad news is that we, unfortunately, are not all that present. According to the numbers, being present is not something we are natural at. It's not a spiritual gift for many of us. In 2010, there was uh, a study done uh, at Harvard by Matthew Killingsworth and Daniel Gilbert, and they developed an app called Track Your Happiness to collect data on people's thoughts and moods in real time. And what they found out is that participants' minds wandered about 47% of the time. And so what that means is that according to their research, nearly half of your life is spent thinking about something other than your present moment. What that means is that half of your life, your brain and your body are not actually connected. There's a disconnect. There's a distance. What that means is half of the time that you're at work, you're not really at work. What that means is that half of the time that you're at home, you're not really at home. That means half the time that you're at church, you're not really at church, you're somewhere else. Half the time that you're sitting around a dinner table, you're not actually there. You're checking scores, you're running numbers, you're replaying conversations that you had earlier in that day. Half of the time you're there, friends, but you're not really there. You're distracted. And and so the first question I want to ask is, by what? What is it that's doing the distracting? What is it that's pulling us out of the present moment if this is the moment God's inviting us into? And so this week, I ended up reading a bunch and uh, looking into modern distractions. And at the top of almost every list of modern distractions is a single thing. And it's this thing right here. It's a cell phone. According to the study done by a company called The People Nerds, which is a great name for a company, The People Nerds, the average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. 2,617 times, which means that you're touching your phone over a million times every single year. Some of you are reaching down for your phones right now to Google that stuff and make sure that it's true. (laughs) Which, for the record, is not going to help your daily average. Friends, we're constantly looking at our phones, checking the news, checking the time, checking the scores, checking the weather for next Tuesday to see if it's going to be nice when Ampetunia's in town. We're sending texts, we're playing games, and we're scrolling through an endless supply of pictures of people who are prettier, houses that are nicer, and golf swings that are smoother than yours will ever be. That last one's for me, not you. Our phones are vibrating almost constantly, and even when they're not vibrating, there's a phenomenon called Phantom vibrations. Have you guys heard of this? This is when you feel like your leg literally sends a signal to your brain, hey, the phone is vibrating, even when it's not, because there's a part of your brain that kind of wants it to so that you can hold it again. Phantom vibrations. So we are literally uh, having all these signals sent, and even when the signals aren't sent, our brain's sending signals so that we can still pick this thing up. This is our life. If you ever are driving in traffic, you'll look around and you'll realize people aren't actually driving. They're just playing Angry Birds while they're behind a wheel. This is the life that we are a part of. We're swiping and scrolling and double-tapping our way through the day to the tune of 2,617 touches. And then we wonder why we feel so disconnected. Friends, we're distracted by our phones. We're distracted by our busyness. 
Friends, you used to clock out at 5 p.m., but now you're sending emails at 11.48 p.m. Lunch used to be a break. Now it's another time slot to have a meeting. We now watch one-hour shows in 44 minutes, and we listen to podcasts about eliminating hurry at 1.5 speed. And if you're anything like me, you used to be so excited when something that you ordered online got to you within two weeks, and now if it doesn't come within two days, you're asking God, why have you forsaken me? We're distracted by anxiety, and we could do a whole series on this, and we probably should. But I'll just say that every meaningful metric researchers use to track anxiety has skyrocketed over the past five years, and disproportionately so in the youth, for so many reasons. Some of us are distracted because we overthink. Are there any overthinkers in the room? And here's my hypothesis. There's more of you, but you're still thinking about whether or not to put your hand in the air. This is my working theory. Some are you distracted because you underthink. You don't actually think you're actually in a daydream about things that don't actually matter. And some of you are distracted because uh, our minds are drifting towards our regret and our guilt. And we struggle to be present with God and people because we haven't actually processed through the pain and disappointment from our past. And God's saying, will you be here? Will you be here? Friends, we're distracted. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for coming, guys. Have a, have a great week. So this last October, uh, my wife and I got to travel to Israel with the team from CTK, and it was a, a, a slightly more stressful trip than we anticipated it being, but it was still a life-changing trip. It was still an amazing trip. We got to do so many amazing things. We got baptized in the Jordan. We got to float in the Dead Sea. We got to see the valley of the shadow of death, which just sounds awesome. We got to stand on the Mount of Beatitudes. We even got to see the empty tomb. And yet what fascinates me is that when I talk to people from our trip, and when I ask them what sticks out about the trip, it's not any of those things that they actually speak about. They talk about a quiet moment that we had on the Sea of Galilee. And what happened was we were out in the middle, and all of a sudden the captain decided to turn off the engine, and it was just silence. You could hear the fish jumping. It wasn't any of the busy moments and crowds that stuck with people. It was the quiet moment on the water. And friends, I'm, I'm wondering if in a world that's so full of noise, it's just becoming harder and harder to find the moments to turn off the, the engines of our lives and simply be here, even though that's exactly what Jesus is inviting you to do. He says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. He's not talking about yesterday, and he's not talking about tomorrow. He says, this right here, this present moment is the moment that I have given you, and you get to maximize it or minimize it. This is the moment that you have. You can be in the future or in the past, but it doesn't matter where your mind is. Your body is here, and I am here, and all the power that you have access to is actually right here at your fingertips. So I've been looking at a bunch of scriptures this week, and what I've started to realize is that a lot of verses that we love to quote, a lot of verses that are up on walls are actually God's loving invitation to the present. We'll start here, Psalm 46, verse 10. You've heard this one. It's, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. God's inviting you to turn off the engine just for a moment. 
He says, in a world of endless scrolling, God is inviting you to stop. Notice that these are the same words to calm your soul that he used to calm the storm in Mark chapter 4. He says, be still. He says, don't forget to remember that I'm God and I'm still in control. Don't forget to remember that all the things that you're worried about, I'm not worried about. Don't forget that all the things that are outside of your control are still in my control and under my authority. Friends, when's the last time you took a moment to just breathe, to just be still and know that he is ruling and reigning, that he is over everything and everything on earth is under his authority? He says, be still. Would you take just one second and remember who it is that you're talking to? Matthew 6, verse 34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. God's inviting us to trust in him. He says, remember that even in a world that's wrought with anxiety and fear, I am still in control of today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and the three days after that. And there's all these even those that we like to place before God, but he says even in an election year, even in a culture that's just absolutely defined by comparison, even when the chips are down and even when people have counted you out, I am still inviting you to the presence. He says you don't have to be anxious. Why? Because I am Jehovah Jireh and I will provide for you. He says you don't have to be anxious, not because there's a lot of things in front of you that aren't fearful, but because there's a God you can fear who knows you and who is with you and who will never forsake you psalm 34 8 says taste and see this is an invitation to the present you can't do these things in the past or the future it says taste and see those are both verbs they're both action words and i just love it because this isn't just an invitation to the present this is actually showing you how to be present it's not just an invitation it's instruction It's saying, if you want to be present, here's how you do it. You taste and you see. That word taste means experience and delight in something good. And that word see means perceive, consider, inspect, or behold. So it says taste and see. So experience, don't merely look at, experience and see and consider and behold all that I've done for you. The other day, Kristen and I went to to oven pizza for dinner and When the food came out, I was so hungry, I just started shoveling. I just started putting it down. And it was good, but it wasn't until about halfway through the pizza that I realized just how good it was. Friends, I'm telling you, it was was exquisite. I'm telling you, it was more than ingredients. It was, I'm convinced it was art. It was a celebration of flavor. I closed my eyes and I tried to taste all the flavors working together and there's just wasn't words that I could even express that would come to mind. I decided right then and right there, this might not be the best pizza, but I can't think of a pizza I've ever had that tasted better than this. I had to slow down and taste it. It was almost too much. This week I listened to a message by Tyler Staten down in Portland and learned a new word called dayenu, which literally means it would have been enough. And I love this word because it can also be translated, thank you, God, for overdoing it. So Dianu prayer is the kind of prayer that you say, thank you, God, that you didn't just make food. You made food with mind-blowing flavor. You didn't have to do that, but you did. 
It's a prayer that says it would have been enough to simply give us sustenance, but you decided to give us chipotle double steak burritos and oven pizza with smoked mozzarella. Thank you, Lord. For overdoing it. It's a prayer that says, God, it would have been enough that you just made sunsets, but you decided to paint them in pastels like a Thomas Kincaid painting. God, you've really outdone yourself. It's the prayer that says, God, it would have been enough to give us kids, but thank you so much for making their laughs so contagious and their cheeks so squishy. Thank you, Lord, for overdoing it. It's a prayer where we notice the beauty that's hiding in the nooks and cracks of our lives where we notice the places where God didn't just stop at enough. He gave us good gifts that we can enjoy. He says, taste and see. Friends, it's recognizing that he didn't have to bless you, but he decided to bless you anyway. It's a prayer that says he didn't have to save you, but he saved you anyway. It's a prayer that says he didn't have to make golden retriever puppies and cherry blossoms and Chick-fil-A, but because of the great love in his heart, he decided to not stop it enough. He said, I want to bless you. This is God's heart for you. Is anybody thankful that God didn't stop it enough? He is the God of above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. He didn't just give us food. He gave us Mexican food. He gave us Asian fusion. He gave us flavors that are so much that your taste buds can barely even perceive them. He says, taste and see. Stop and smell the roses. Savor the experience. Savor and experience everything I've given to you because every time you notice a blessing, friends, every time you practice gratitude, you're being pulled back towards the present. You're being pulled back to this place right now. He says, will you be here with me? And you might be asking, why? Why is God so, so interested in me being here right now? And there's two reasons I want to tell you. One, he wants to bless you. One, he wants to show you all the good gifts that he has for you. He, he says, check this out. Hey, check this thing that I made out just for you to just experience so he wants to bless you. But the second thing is what I want to focus on. He wants to bless you, but he also wants to bless the world through you. And both of those are things that happen when you come to the present. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So church, this is important for us to understand. God doesn't just invite us to the present to bless us. He actually wants to bless the world through us. As it turns out, friends, we actually have a job to do, and it's not a job to do someday, it's a job to do today. Because today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I want to close with this. A few years ago, I got to speak at a young adult retreat for about 200 college kids, and the topic was calling. The topic was, what are we here for? And we ended our weekend with a simple idea, and I, I, I want to end our time with the same simple idea, and it's this. Many of us spend so much time asking the question, what did God create me to do, that we neglect the better question, which is, what did God create me to do today? It's the idea that so many of us are asking God what's next that we end up missing out on what God has for us now. So many of us want to know how to get there, but as it turns out, in the kingdom of God, the only way to get there is to be present here. The only way to have the intimacy tomorrow that you desire is to be present today. 
So the access code to the future that you desire God to unveil is through being present in the moment that he's given you today. If you want friendship tomorrow, you better invest today. If you want to be better tomorrow, you better practice it today. This is what God has said. When it comes to your future, it comes through being present with this moment that we've been given. So many of us ask God for what's next and we miss out on what's now. So many of us have been wondering what God's will is for your life. And your time would be better spent looking for God's will for you today. Because here's what I know, friends. The will of God is for you to be present with the people he puts in front of you today. The will of God is to live a life not trying to be noticed, but to notice. The will of God is to share a meal with the neighbor and savor every bite. The will of God is to tuck in your kids at night and read that extra book. Don't be in a hurry. The will of God is to enjoy a sunset up boulevard and thank God for overdoing it. You didn't have to make it this beautiful, Lord, but you did. The will of God is to be a present father or mother or brother or sister or friend today. The will of God is to make that phone call you've been putting off and say, today is the day that we make amends. I'll take the first step. The will of God is to be present with the people in your car on the drive home today because they're not there by accident. Oftentimes it's the people closest to us that we overlook. God put somebody to your right and somebody to your left, and it's not by accident. What would it look like to actually come to in this moment, the present moment, and realize maybe God placed them in my car, not just as a companion, but as an opportunity for me to bless, an opportunity to, me, to, to mirror the beauty that God sees through them. Friends, the will of God is to be here now because this is the day that the Lord has made. Friends, don't miss out on what God has for you today waiting on what God has for you tomorrow. The way to tomorrow is actually through being present today. The way to the future God has created for you is by being present today. This is your moment, church, because yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's not yet here. Today's all we got. So let's begin. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, thank you for the power that exists in this moment. God, we just admit that we can get stuck in the past and we can worry about the future with the best of them. But God, in the honesty of this moment, we just, we declare we want to be still. God, some of us don't know how, would you teach us? Some of us don't know how we would be gracious to ourselves, even in our stumbling attempts. God, some of us don't know how, but God, we want to. Show us what it looks like to take a step towards you. We know that you are inviting us to this present moment. God, help us to taste and see your goodness. God, let us become more aware of your presence because we know that if we want to be a force for good, we need a guide. And God, we know that the guide is your spirit. So God, would you help us to become more aware of your presence in this place? God, we want to be sent out. God, we don't want a comfortable life. We don't want a distracted life. We want a life that matters. And we know that that happens in the present. God, we don't want to miss it. Lead us, guide us. Lead us, guide us, Lord. Make us strong, make us wise. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. 
Amen. So we're actually going to respond with the song. The lyrics are, let us become more aware of your presence. Because God's not just calling us here to bless us. He's calling us here to bless others. And it's only through the power of his spirit that we're able to have our eyes open to the opportunities that he puts in front of us. And so let's stand and we'll respond by asking God to come present to this moment and asking us to do the same. Let's sing. <laughs>